loud and laugh are synonymous in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to our second episode of Now That's Interesting. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Serge. I'm Travis. And it's a beautiful evening in Amsterdam. Yeah, it's a great day. It's yeah. a great day, man. Yeah, we actually, we're in the fall now, you know, we're almost, you know, heading into the winter time, but today was beautiful. Sunshine. Yeah, you got to love it. You know, you got to take it in when you can. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing, Travis? I'm great. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about our topic today. I've been uh, thinking about this kind of stuff for a while, and I'm, I, I just want to get to the, to the, the heart of it, you know, get into uh, what we're here to do. How about yourself, though? You uh, enjoying oh, life? Oh, yes, yes. Um, I try to stay positive, you know, trying to read as much as I can, but also relax. I just keep drinking. I see that that really <laughs> helps me a lot, actually. <laughs> We we want to advise you that now that's interesting is not does, does not uh, condone alcohol does not condone <laughs> condemn alcoholism. Please yeah. drink responsibly. Drink responsibly and talk to those around you if you feel like you need you're in yeah. trouble. Thank yeah, you. no, I, I I feel you though. It's it's hard to um, the days run into each other uh, sometimes. You know when you just go from one to the next when you can't really separate it with that travel to the office. But uh, yeah, you know reading. Long walks. Long walks help. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, I, I'm actually very envious of people who have dogs. Like yeah. Each time I go like for a run or a walk in the park, uh, I, I see everyone with dogs. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, I want a puppy. I want an excuse uh, to get out of uh, yeah, there. Yeah, you have a perfect excuse to get out of the house I'll, three times I'll let a you day. on a little, a little secret, though. That happens every day. Not just on the good days. But when it's raining and it's cold and it's dark, <laughs> so just, you know, you're seeing the positive one, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. grass is greener, but uh, just to let you think yeah. about that, you know. Like, may, maybe one day. One day. Yeah. It is, it, it, there are a lot of, uh, actually a lot of science that says uh, pet ownership is really good for the owner as much as, you know, anything else. Um, and I feel that sometimes. I also have cats. And uh, there's these moments when you, you know, you're just angry. It's like gray outside and you look down and he looks up at you and he's got this look of, I love you. You know, well, with a cat, it's more like, I tolerate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, and it, and it, you know, gives you that feeling of being yeah, tolerated. You, you heard that like little theory, well, conspiracy theory that we evolved because of cats. So <laughs> it, it's, it's actually us ruling the, the world. It's or the cats. like you know, yeah. changing our environment. It's the cats evolved to a certain point so that we can sustain them. There was a there was a Netflix show called Love, Death, and Robots. Oh yes, did you see that? Yeah, yeah the, the episode when free robots are yeah. uh, are going to Earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, that episode in general is amazing, yeah, it's especially fantastic. with the whole uh, satire around climate change. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they thought it would be a nuclear winter, but in the end, they just killed their environment <laughs> yeah, and made exactly. it unlivable. Oh, man. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, I don't, not to give away too much for those who haven't seen it, but the, the cats do make an appearance. In that yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely go and watch it. Yeah. It's good. It's good. So... 
Speaking of the end of civilization, <laughs> should we get to our topic today? Yeah. Uh, we're um, talking about uh, the, the conservative versus uh, liberalism. And it's one of those things you grow up with and you never really challenge. You know, I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a very Republican household. And you don't, you know, you don't really think about where, is it, where does it come from? What does it mean? What are the real implications? How did you uh, come into this, you know, when you were, uh, uh, you know, a young man growing up? Well, uh, growing up in Moldova, I quite quickly, like in my young adulthood, just considered myself apolitical. I grew up not trusting any government. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In general, Moldova is kind of a turmoil country, okay. I would say. Yeah. And there's this Not divide. a lot of stability. Yeah, not a lot of stability, but there's also this divide between the people who speak Russian and speak Romanian. Oh, like, I, I, see. I was growing up uh, in a house call where my mom spoke Russian uh, with me and my dad spoke Romanian. So I, I, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I grew up bilingual and I never understood like this whole fight around, oh, what kind of language do you speak? But there was a strong Romanian sentiment, especially in the early 90s when the Soviet Union collapsed and Moldova got its independence. A lot of nationalist people were considering everybody who speaks Russian as being the enemy. Oh, and I, wow. I remember like going out on the street, my mom would talk with me in Russian and like some random people would approach us and say something like, Chimadan Vakzal Rasiya, which literally translates as your luggage, the train station, Russia. Like, it's oh, just three wow. words that mean take your luggage, go to the station, and go the hell out. So not mincing words at all, just no, no. Uh, this is exactly how I feel. No, no, it's just free, free words, just free words, they would say. And uh, me, as also having friends who speak Romanian and also who speak Russian, I never understood this whole divide. Right. And... That's how our politics were kind of built around. Yeah. Like one, that's how I saw it. It's not necessarily like this, but the way the message was perceived is that one group would say, oh, we have to go with Romania and join the European Union. And the other group would say, oh, we have to go with Russia and just reunite back into some form of a Soviet Union-like yeah, uh, collective. Yeah, Which... In both cases, I disagree. Uh, like, uh, right. I believe Moldova is a sovereign entity, and it should remain like that. And we should find a consensus with all our partners. Yeah. Yes, we're a poor country. We, we need help to recover and to build our economy and so on. But it doesn't mean that we have to build walls with one side of, uh, of the continent so that we could be friends with another one. So you, you feel like the get your house in order before you start making any other movements. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. yeah kind no, that's like that's interesting. Yeah, I like that take. I mean, it's fascinating because you don't, you don't usually have such an overt um, trigger like that. When, you, when, you, when I think about trying to, if you walk into a place, you can't immediately know who's Republican and who's Democratic, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking about the difference between speaking Romanian and Russian, that's a very clear sign of what side you're on, yeah. um, which I just, that's, that's got all kinds of implications. Oh, Man, yes. Just uh, really like, wild. The, the, the amount of fights I had with random people on the streets uh, is staggering. Right? Yeah. To, to the point that uh, uh, I, I speak uh, literary Romanian, so like the one that is used for 
books and poetry and so yeah, on. Yeah. I don't really like speaking the street Romanian, which <laughs> okay. we call the Moldavian dialect or wherever. Sure. Like Greeshti like, Moldovenishti, uh, things like that. Uh, and more often than not, people who would hear me speak Russian, they would come and speaking this Moldavian dialect, telling me, oh, you have to speak Romanian. And I would look at them and say, yeah, but you just use like three or five Russian words to tell me that. <laughs> and you're saying I'm not speaking your language. So yeah. I can speak in Romanian, but then please do the same and try doing that. Yeah. And if you can't, please don't be this police, language police that yeah. walks around. and tells Especially uh, couched in ignorance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah that's, a real, that's, a real, that's a real shame. But it's, you know, it's actually got parallels. Because when you look at um, the... Uh, uh, getting into the conservative um, yeah, yeah. kind of mindset and the liberal mindset, it's they both kind of have the same uh, end goal, right? Um, they're both after something similar, and they keep throwing ideas at each other that are not true of each other, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so there, there's there's still some like misconceptions that get played out there. A lot of it's political. A lot of it's intentional, right? It's much easier to paint your enemy as being the devil. Uh, and an, and an yeah. ultimate evil than to try to understand ah, this is just a normal human being with their own ideas and thoughts and their own challenges. Yeah. Humanizing people is hard. Vilifying them is super easy. And yeah. you can see that playing out right now. And, I, and just in your, your very story shows that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Which is sad. Um, so the theme for the podcast is around thought models about how people come to learn things, how we understand knowledge, turn uh, data into wisdom, as we <laughs> talked about. And uh, I think a great place to start then is around uh, some def definitions. Let's yeah, talk about yeah. kind of what, what it is we're, we are talking about. And I would like to put out the first definition, which is the center of what governments today, democracies, modern democracies, uh, and any, any government that's trying to uh, protect people is to protect their, their liberty. So yep. I want to define what liberty is so we have a common notion that everyone's trying to get to, right? Um, Makes I actually, sense. I looked at the uh, Webster's Dictionary of Liberty. Uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines liberty as the quality or state of being free. Mm. Uh, or freedom from arbitrary or despotic control. And despotic refers to a despot, which is one exercising power tyrannically, a person exercising absolute power in a brutal or oppressive way. So if, you, if a government is despotic, it means it is uh, crushing its populace. It is in total control of mm -hmm. their daily lives. Um, the freedom of an individual to exert their own will on their lives is greatly reduced. Yeah, S suppressing, uh, I guess, suppressing the freedom of speech. Things like that, yeah. And so on. The, one, of the, one of the guys we'll talk about a little bit as we go on, but uh, his name is uh, John Locke. He, he defines it as liberty, or the effort of a liberty, is emancipation from such subordination, liberation from any such dependency. It requires the capacity to stand eye to eye with your fellow citizens and a shared awareness that none of you has a power of arbitrary interference over another. Uh, I like that approach. I like he's yeah, basically yeah. saying we liberty is when you, neither of us have uh, control over the other. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of like, in other words, would be my freedom ends where, where your begins. Kind of, yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, so what we can say is that the role of 
our governments, uh, the state that we create, is to protect liberties of its citizens. Yeah. Um, and what we're really talking about when we're talking about conservatism versus liberalism is how you do that. Yeah. Well, what are the models that they yeah. use? I think where we should go next is where it all started. Like how we got these two different models of achieving liberty for its citizens. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and the first thing I think about is the French Revolution. Yeah, tell us about that. What's yeah, the... so it's um, 1789. France was at that time in poverty. It, it did play a key role in achieving liberty and freedom uh, across the ocean because France helped the United States. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> we, we did it all ourselves. We didn't have any help. No, absolutely. The, the French uh, joined us in our uh, separation from uh, British, British government. British yeah. government yeah. yeah. And although France was seen on, let's say, the world political spectrum as this fighter for liberty and human rights and freedom, uh, inside France, it wasn't sunshine and rainbows. Well, sunshine and rainbows, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there, people were starving. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a huge amount of poverty, a lot of beggars on the streets, which actually is a resembles for all of Europe. This is where the let them eat cake uh, famous. Yeah, that, that, that's uh, Marie Antoinette, Antoinette the yeah. queen of France. Yeah. She said, let him eat brioche. Forgive my French, which I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, we, brioche is uh, a type of very, very fancy bread. Yeah, it's uh, delicious. It's, <laughs> it, it is delicious, right? And But in English, it got translated as let them eat cake. Ah, I got you. Yeah. But yeah. it was because it was a a rich and expensive uh, food, right? It, it was a rich and expensive bread. And the, the, the whole context around this, France was approaching very huge economical crisis. Yeah. And uh, the price of bread was just skyrocketing. Right. And people couldn't afford it. So when Marie Antoinette was told that oh, people cannot buy bread... Uh, she completely said, missing the yeah. the point. <laughs> well, she got famous for for being completely dissociated from the right. world, and uh, but it was the, at the time the elites in particular were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This they, was this was the problem. Yeah. So what happens is to cut a uh, long story short, the Bastille falls, uh, the people take over, and or, like if you go really into detail, a new wave of political movements, which are called the Republicans form. And what they advocate for is government by the people, for the people, and so on. Yeah. Uh, around that time, in the early 1790s, uh, the Bill of Rights of Men uh, is being declared, which is actually a revolutionary document. Yeah. Uh, because it, uh, at that time, France was a Catholic uh, Yep. Uh, country and the Bill of Rights of Man stated separation of church and state. And also it stated that all men, it stated all men, but all people are... Well, it, it definitely said all men. It yeah, definitely it, said it, all men. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't get I'm to everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 trying to be, I'm trying to be more modern here, but... Yeah, but embrace it, man. We're talking about history. Yeah, we're talking about history. Yeah, so the Bill of Rights of Man said that all men are born free and 
they should remain free for yep. the rest of their lives. Yep. And and that's the, and and that is the heart of liberty, right? That is yes. exactly yep. the, these these things put in place allow us uh, or uh, they keep governments in check. Their agreements that this is what we will aspire to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, the whole thing of left and right, which is probably my favorite tr uh, trivia. Yeah. Uh, in case you're on a dinner party, you can use that. <laughs> um, it all comes down for from a gathering of the parliament in France yeah. where the Republicans, they took the left side of the building, uh, of the hall, yeah. and the aristocrats and let's say the more conservative uh, parts of the government who were advocating for keeping the monarchy and maintaining like some power in the hands of the churches and so on yeah they were at the right the right of, yeah. <laughs> of the hall interesting so in the end uh, the idea of right versus left ca came there <laughs> where uh, right, uh, the left was progressive yep. and the right was conservative. It's, it's it's so funny looking back on history and seeing how things change. Yeah. Because we, you you calling a Republican progressive right now is just makes my head spin. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I know. In, in modern times, it, it doesn't sound right yeah. uh, for yeah. one says. Well, it flipped in the states too. Uh, actually, yes, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Uh, During originally, the, uh, yeah, Civil War uh, before Civil War times, it was definitely. Um, you can see the flip between the Republicans and the Democrats yeah. actually flipped. Uh, so, and it, it's just, it's, it's because there's no real natural order to this. This is all just made up, right? Human beings trying to organize ourselves. That's all it is, you know? So th there's no, and I, and I, and I, I want to emphasize that uh, solely because some people see these ideas of being conservative and liberal as, as, as like given to them from their heritage, like that the, they were born to this, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, th these are all ideas. Humans through countless millennia come up with ways to organize ourselves. Yeah. And this is just one of those many. And, and it will change and go another hundred years in the future and it'll flip again or something else will come out. For sure. For um, sure. There's just, there's no sense in trying to be, there's no sense in allowing this to be dogmatic. It's just recognize what it is yeah. uh, and, and don't, <laughs> don't go to war over it. For sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. I have to quote John Green on this. Yeah. There's an episode from Crash Course European History where he says, politics, it's where the right has a left and the left has a right, and they both have middles, which nobody listens to. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The right has a left. Cool. So it's so it's it's got deep seated uh, roots in history. Yeah, and you can see from that moment, especially the the winds of change kind of blew through many governments. Right, we saw that the British government came up with their own yeah. constitution and bill of rights, and and they developed their own democracy. The American colonies did the same, and actually a lot of them modeled the same things off of what you saw in the in the after in, the French in, Re Revolution. Yeah. yeah. Um, same wording, you know. The, a lot of the same things you see uh, come up again and again. And it's because, of course, the contemporaries of that day were all reading and talking to each other. They yes, were, they were yeah. following each other's uh, kind of guidelines there. There were a few 
names, though, that are, are uh, when you look at conservatism in and mm. of itself, that go way back. Um, one guy I looked into, his name was John uh, Fortescue, I think. Um, he was... Fortescue. Fortescue. He was from, uh, he was a, a lawyer uh, in England, and he started laying down what is probably the foundations of, of modern conservatism. Uh, and what you can see go through all of history. It, the truth is that he lived between 1394 and 1479. It was a long time ago. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, were, they were putting these ideas down that uh, in England, especially, conservatives were saying, um, we, we want to build upon what we already know. Rooted in uh, religious doctrine, sure, where we were using the Bible to understand, like, what's the, what is morality? How, do, mm -hmm. how should we organize ourselves? What kind of laws? But also looking upon what's worked in the past and keep building up on that. Okay. Um, yeah. And he, he said those, he, he had some of the first few documents that actually kind of laid that down. In the 1500s or the 1600s, uh, there's a man named John Selden comes along and he actually starts writing the books to explain this. And his one uh, book was called Natural and National Law where he literally set the groundwork for the English Bill of Rights. Really? Yeah, and, and he says he has the exact same principles there. What, what have we built? What have we seen in the past that mm -hmm. works, that, that preserves liberty, right? And keep building upon that. So they have a, a the conservative mindset, from what I can tell, just from the pre, like from history, historical conservative. historical conservatism. Yeah. We're not talking about modern. Yeah, like, yeah. we are talking about conservative uh, in the past. Is uh, base it in what we understand, and it allowed for regional differences. Mm -hmm. This is actually something that uh, Selden says: is that different people from different areas are going to want different things. So there's no one overarching natural law that can be applied to everyone. Mm -hmm. So you have to use your understanding of what's happened before to build up your own laws. I don't think he would have liked a uh, federal government at the United States. It would have been too much because he would have said there's too many regional differences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And sometimes I agree. <laughs> um, but we'll get more into that. Uh, anyway, I, I just wanted to point him out because you can see it uh, still reflected in some of modern conservatism, especially around religious uh, conservatives, mm -hmm. but there's also traditional conservatives today who still think very similarly. I think I said it somewhere else. They have a fear of change. Mm -hmm. And maybe fear is the wrong word, but it's, it's more of a um, change needs to come because it makes good prog progress into something, yeah. not just because it's new. It also sounds quite progressive because this old conservatism says that you build up existing knowledge yep. and you adapt to like your new exactly. landscape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Be that political yep. or social and so on. Yep. So yes, it, it sounds a little bit slow, it is. <laughs> but, but it is in the same time progressive. It doesn't say things like, oh, our laws are set in stone. Yeah, we should exactly. never change them. Exactly. The old thinkers around this Definitely knew that things had to change. Yeah, but what about the early days of liberalism? So I, the, what I could find, uh, the ideas were getting knocked around for, you know, around the same time, 15th, uh, the 15th century, 16th century. But one of the first guys to really write it down and put down the ideas of what, of modern liberalism was mm -hmm. John Locke. John Locke. Uh, he lived from 1632 to 1704. And... I'm really paraphrasing here, but the basic idea that he saw was that um, there were natural laws 
that all men through just thinking about it, through, mm-hmm. through reason, comes to the same conclusion. So he bases uh, the way that we should govern and approach things are based on a, an irrefutable set of laws that through any reason you can come to. But, but that's a strong assumption. It is a strong uh, assumption. Uh, and actually, it, modern, modern uh, conversations against Locke said exactly the same thing. Yeah. Like you're making a lot that all men are created equal is, is, tr- is what we're trying to say, but it's not. Not true, no. right? Not everybody and, and, and is the same. And it's not true in, in the sense that we shouldn't have equal rights. It's more about we perceive information differently. We may come up to the same conclusions in the end, but sometimes we will come to diametrically opposed conclusions given the same set exactly. of data. Exactly. And this is why Selden uh, believed that you couldn't apply. He was a, he, he hated liberalism. He, he saw it as a um, this... Uh, I guess he might have called it like a utopian vision of what people could be. And we know that rational humans are not rational, right? Yeah, like yeah. that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it took, us, it took us a long time to realize that um, one of these days we need to talk about um, behavioral economics and um, uh, Martin Traversky and um, Daniel Kahneman. Oh, yeah. Those guys yeah. had some fantastic findings about how irrational people are. And at the time, I think Locke didn't see that. Now, it's... it's you got to think about it too. At that time, the, you don't have widespread knowledge. These guys are Ivy League trained. They've been to all kinds of very British style colleges, education. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're, they're seeing it from their own. What I saw, especially with the French Revolution, that the aristocracy or the educated uh, tend to perceive like this separation. They would consider one group of people more, more smarter and more intelligent. Yeah, and yeah. they would consider those people would come to the same conclusions whilst they would disregard the rest of the populace and wouldn't even take their opinion into account. So Exactly. Yeah. Now, what's fascinating is that while Locke is writing this stuff down, there's a lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a split in the United States, well, as it was forming, mm-hmm. when the founding fathers, they had on both sides people who believed very much like Locke do, does, um, and one's on the conservative side who thought uh, that Selden had it right. Uh, Hamilton, you know, mm-hmm. George Washington probably thought that the, the conservative way was much better. Um, but what Locke was getting at had more to do with the fact that um, uh, there are things that are uh, irrefutable and you should build, you should build upon that. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of understand where he's coming from, um, but it also changes more with the time. So I think the... His approach uh, is probably one that can adjust quicker to changes, uh, mm-hmm. even though we're saying things like irrefutable laws. But the reason is because our, our perception changes. It's, it's just like you said, actually. As we come to understand things differently, we can adjust faster. But conservatives yeah. wouldn't have done that, right? Uh, really? Con- con- well, conservatives are a much slower beast, right? Their, their reason they're called conservatives is they want to conserve what's there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right? Um, don't try, you're not going to throw it all out. Uh, and move on. Um, as we get into the discussion around modern conservatism versus yeah, yeah. liberalism, I think it's interesting how much it's changed. Oh, yes, yes. Because um, because it really, it does feel like it's it, it, it does. Like, even talking about this, like, you pointed out right, correctly there that thinking that Republicans are progressives, right, when we discuss the French Revolution, is a, is a bit of a cognitive dissonance when you apply the same thing to modern times. Indeed. And that, which, is, which is why I... It's great to have a basis. I'm glad we're setting a foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's maybe helpful for those to think about it uh, because 
there might be some liberals out there who are just completely opposed to everything that the conservatives have to say. Mm -hmm. But if you go back enough, you can see some really strong arguments why you would organize yourself this way yeah, uh, and why you would approve, uh, uh, approach it this, this, in this kind of manner. The problem is, is I don't think modern conservatives think about it this way, that they should be moving forward. I think they're locking in way too much to the uh, conserve what we have <laughs> yeah. and not adjusting in small uh, iteration. Okay, so I think we should stop at this That moment. was a lot of stuff. Yeah. That was a lot yeah. of stuff. That was a lot of talking. Want to try for a part two of this? You want to move the modern conservatism and liberalism discussion to another episode? Definitely. I want to compare today with the past. And I also want to touch on what we see, how truthful they are to their ideologies. Like what is their agenda? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Why are they pushing certain truths or half-truths or flat-out lies uh, because their agenda is, you know, X, Y, or Z? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I would love to also find where they kind of overlap because there's things where they believe they're completely diametrically opposed, but they're not, and then kind of show that too. Because it would be interesting to see how much they agree uh, yeah, yeah. versus how much they uh, they disagree. True. True. And it also helps, right? Because the moment you see similarities, it's the moment where you can open up to actually accept someone else's. Yeah, point absolutely. Of view. Like I said, it's much easier to vilify than it is to humanize. Uh, and if you can start to build those bridges, and I can see a lot of the discussion right now happening around the world is. Uh, it, taking those two sides, it, either either they're really pushing to vilify the others and trying mm -hmm. to make their, or there's groups who are trying to to build bridges and to connect uh, people back together, um, and it's those bridge builders who I really hope are successful and the others uh, I hope <laughs> fail, but we'll see. Yeah, let's hope we're one of them. Yeah, let's build we're some, some bridges. bridge builders over here, yeah. aren't we? <laughs> we would like to thank you for your time and attention. Absolutely. And join us next time when we talk about conservatism versus liberalism, part two. Modern time. This time we mean business. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at TweetNTI or on Instagram at NTI Podcast. That's TweetNTI or NTI Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye.